God is good, huh? And, uh, and I do, it's Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Mother's Day. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, this isn't one of those occasions where as a church, you kind of go, oh, it's Mother's Day. What are we going to do for Mother's Day? Uh, you know, we like Mother's Day because it's a, it's a, ch- it's a chance to honor your mom. And, and I know that not everybody comes from, you know, that maybe your mom wasn't there or maybe she was neglectful. We know that there's hard cases too. And, um, and God sometimes has to be our father and mother. Amen? Amen. And sometimes God brings along someone along, you know, alongside. And sometimes, you know, your mother maybe was weak in an area or whatever because no one's perfect. How many found out when you were a parent you weren't that perfect either? Right? And, um, and, and, uh, but we're, it's such an amazing calling, Mom. I think, you know, Eve, the mother of all living things, you know, as it says in Genesis... And there's a stewardship there when, when it's something connected to you. And um, whether physically or in the heart, through adoption, where you take on a role. And I, I wanted to play a video of, um, of a basketball player who honored his mother recently. If you've been to my Facebook page, you know I posted it. It's by a, a basketball player named Kevin Durant, um, who won. He plays for uh, OKC, Oklahoma. And uh, he won MVP of, you know, basically the most valuable player in the NBA. And I'll just say this, I'm not an OKC fan. I don't want them to win. Okay? I'm not, I'm not rooting for them. Um, but I love Kevin. And um, he's a very, he's one of those guys that doesn't just, you know, score a touchdown and kind of point to the sky and say, thank you, something up there. He's real specific. He Touchdown, yeah. Whatever athlete is, hockey, basketball player, what would you do without your spouse? Like, I can barely tie my shoes in the morning. Jody, what do I do? And she's right there. I'm teasing. Uh, did you guys marry up too, like I did? Like, I married way up. But the, por- the problem with Jody is she married way down. See, that's the problem. <laughs> And, and, you know, I, I, this Kevin Durant, you know, he, he, he's going to, it's a short, it's a short video. So it was 22 minutes and it was such a contrast to me because when you win MVP and the microphone gets on you and, you know, a lot of times, you know, you, someone wins an award, it usually these athletes, I don't want to pick on athletes, but, you know, many times it's, you know, it's like, well, I just dedicate this to my hard work. You know, I persevered, the lessons I learned, and now I'm a better man or better woman in whatever, whatever role you were in. And I love Kevin Durant because he went on for 22 minutes and he first thanked God. I'm not going to play that part, but he thanks God first. And then he goes around and he thanks each one of his players, one by one. He just goes through and it's like every one of them, it's like, I was weak, but you helped me. I didn't believe in myself, but you believed in me. He was kind of went around, and then he went to each one of his coaches, and he was thanking them. And if you know much about his background, you know, he grew up in a, in a, in a really poor area of Washington, D.C. His father left him when he was young. His mother ended up raising the kids, and they were basically um, at the poverty level. And he, he'll probably share a little bit in the clip I have. It's about three minutes. Um, but he, he honors God. And then he honors his mom. He, he sets his mom aside that, you know, he's won the MVP, but he's going to honor his mom. So I just wanted to play it for you. And, and I really, moms, I want you to remember, a, a lot of times you do things that are in the shadows. 
You're working on stuff. You're investing in your kids, whether it's giving them a ride somewhere or encouraging them or building them up. And I tell you, they don't really realize it because you remember when you were a kid, what your mom may have invested in you and you didn't really realize it until maybe sometime later. You went, wow, she was always there or she, oh, I could always turn to her. And, and I don't want you to be too hard on your mom if she wasn't the perfect mom either because we're about grace, aren't we? We're, we're about grace. We see our own weaknesses sometimes and we know that the forgiveness of Christ is so full that we can accept that forgiveness and say, Lord, thank you when I'm weak. And this is, this is about the best player right now. Maybe LeBron James is better, but a best shooter for sure. Best shooter. One of the best players in the world. Top couple. And here he is setting aside his speech before the world of getting this award of no one's more valuable than you in one of the greatest sports franchises and great leagues in, in the world. And here he is, he's got the platform, and he uses the platform to honor God, and he uses it to honor his mom. I think that matters, don't you? It tells you what our society should be like. And I'll say one more thing, because we all experience criticism, and I've had people criticize me, where I go, that's not true, you just don't know what the truth is, but you just have to take it. Athletes get a lot of criticism, and they were picking on Kevin Durant for the longest time because they wanted him to be more cutthroat. You know, get, get more cutthroat. You know, they came up with all these nicknames, the slasher, the assassin. And they, they asked him, they go, Kevin, what do you want your nickname to be? And he says, I want it to be the servant. And they go, well, if you really want to win a championship, then you've got to get out there and you've got to be the lead dog and, you know, take it over and show it. Like, you know, and they named all these players. And he said, but I want to be more like Jesus is what I want to be. And he says, and Jesus is a servant. And when I heard him say that, I thought to myself, that is awesome. Not sucked into the pressure, but saying the greatest of all will be the servant of all. And so you're going to hear him here at the end of his speech. So it's been 20 minutes. He singled out every player. And now he comes to his mom. If he could dim the lights and play this play, it would be awesome. And last, my mom. I don't think you know what you did. The mic isn't working the way it is, so we've got to fix your mic. So it broke. i got to get and out my there. brother, when you were 18 years old. So just take a minute. Just, yeah, it's, you're Three just years wrestling. Later, I came out. Just hold that for a second. The odds were stacked right. against us. Single parent with two boys by the time you were 21 years old. I'll stay. I think so. Everybody told us he wasn't supposed to be here. We moved from apartment to apartment by ourselves. One of the best memories I had is when we moved into our our first apartment. No no bed, no furniture, and we just all sat in in the living room and just hugged each other. Because we that's what we, we thought we made it. And when, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. And you wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups, screaming at me from the sideline of my games at eight or nine years old. 
we wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street. You put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. <laughs> you the real MVP. Did you enjoy that? That's awesome. It doesn't matter what walk of life you are, you can glorify the God. And um, I praise God for that. Father, I thank you, Lord, and uh, that you call us into honoring others, Lord, um, not for the sake of, I don't know, looking like we're honoring, but Lord, for the sake of who we honor. And uh, I thank you for that example by Kevin, and I, I do pray you bless him. I don't want him to win, but Lord, <laughs> I'm just, I'm half teasing there, Lord. I know, I know that these things are, aren't the big picture. The big picture is your name glorified in the midst of all of that. I do pray, Lord, as I talk about the overcoming every series, everything series, Lord, talking about overcoming fatigue, Lord, that you'd um, let the scriptures breathe life into our hearts, Lord. I know Many moms and many people, workers, employees, Lord, are tired. And Lord, you talk so much about rest and about peace, Lord, and prosperity, that we're not just to be lazy, that there's a diligence, a perseverance that happens, but also a rest. Show us how to overcome fatigue. I pray that you give us your wisdom right now, Lord, and let your word come to life in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. I, I, love, I love this. A, a woman texted a close friend of hers, and uh, she just texted it really quickly. So how you doing? How you feeling? And, and her friend responded. She says, she says I'm doing terrible. She said, I, I have a headache. She said, honestly, the house is a mess. You know, the kids are, are driving me crazy. You know, my husband left a mess in the kitchen. And uh, the friend texted back, listen, I want you to go lie down. I want to come over right away. I want to bless you. I want to cook lunch for you. She texted it to her. I'll clean up your house. I'm going to take care of the kids. You need to just get some rest. And she goes, and by the way, how's your hubby Sam doing? The text comes back, Sam, I don't have a husband named Sam. She said, the text goes back to the woman. She goes, I am so sorry. I must have texted the wrong number. 
a long pause. Finally, a text comes back. Are you still coming over? And, you know, and Jody and I always joke about the Proverbs 31 woman because, you know, all you have to do is say, I'm going to do a sermon on Proverbs 31. And all the women go, great. (laughs) It's like, she's awesome. And, you know, she waters the lilies with her new hose. You know what I mean? She's got an apron on and, you know, and she's in the business world and she's, you know, negotiating and she's doing all kinds of things. And, you know, and I look at some of the amazing women around us who are in so many different fields and, and I don't mean to mock the scripture, but just how it can sometimes come off. Um, there's a, one line in there that says, and she has the servant girls do this for her. And Jody always goes, no wonder she's doing so well. She's got all these servant girls. <laughs> It's like, you give me a fleet of servant girls, and that yard, and that, that's all taken care of, right? Um, but, you know, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of funny. But, but, but you, you realize that life hits you hard, doesn't it? And, 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 you can, I, and I put a few things as you put up on the screen here, Rob, so I can track with you. Uh, let's look at fatigue on, on what is the source. So let me just mention a few of them here that are obvious. One of them is overwork. Okay, and it doesn't matter if you're in a good season right now or a, or a hard season. Even in a good season, you could be really tired, because what happens is is that you're you're uh, you know you you've got everything going for you, but then you get busier, then you make more commitments, and little by little, you're kind of going, man, I'm starting to get tired. And that's how it happens. You go, I'm going to make an appointment for next week, and then you go, yeah, I'll meet you Tuesday, and then you meet someone else. You go, I'll meet you Wednesday, and I'll meet you Thursday, and pretty soon you go, oh my gosh, my schedule is packed. How many experience this? You know, or you're trying to get a sales thing going, and so you get a you make a sales pitch here and you make a sales pitch here, you know, and then that person's gonna get back to you, who's gonna get back to another person, who's gonna get back to you, and you call my people and we'll call your people. And life gets overwhelming. And it happens the same thing in the house as a mom. You're going from, you know, I gotta go to piano lessons, and now we're gonna help the poor too, so we're heading down to the homeless shelter. And all these things happen one thing after another. And then you realize the kids didn't clean their room. So now you got to track them for two hours. You know, how many have gone through that? How many have perfect a room for your kids? You know, I, I, I always, you know, told my kids, you know, put all the toys away, pick out nine toys. Those are the toys you can play with for this week, you know, and then put them back. <laughs> Otherwise, all the toys get everywhere. Just a little strategy. You know, but you you start to overwork. And, you know, the Bible has things like, you know, hard work leads to profit. And those are those are are great things, but sometimes you can overwork and overdo things. Sorry, my microphone broke yesterday. Somebody broke it at a, a conference yesterday. And you know, another source is guilt. You feel like you should do more. You know, I, I just I'm never caught up and you start to you start to commit to too many things. It's overcommitment. You go, man, I'm, yes, I'll do this. And when I was a first pastoring, you know, they had this group of pastors trying to unite. And I thought, that's a great idea. Let's, let's all take a part of it. So I kind of helped spearhead it. And, you know, we had five pastors and 10 pastors and 20. We kept growing. And, I, and then another group said, well, we have another group too. And you should go to us and be unified with us. And I go, yeah, I'm unified with you on Tuesday. I'm unified with you guys on Thursday. You know, I got a st- things going on our staff here. This person needs this. Pretty soon you're so busy because you've overcommitted. Can everyone say the word no? No. Say, I can't do it. But have a good time. 
You know, there are some times when you can't, you just can't. Part of overcoming fatigue, no is a great solution. Amen? You don't need to do everything. You don't need to be every gift. You don't need to try to provide for yourself. I wrote in there self-provision. You start to think that you have to provide for yourself. And you lose trust that God's actually in charge of your life, that he's moving things forward for you. And then you get worried. And so, you know, go, man, should I go to church or not? No, I got to get this. I got to get this one job. So you get this one job going. And then, you know, should I have my date night? No, I really got to have this meeting. And so you have this meeting and then you blow that off and you blow this off and you blow that off. And pretty soon you're going, man, I am so busy. And you're, you're overworked, you're tired and you're worn out and you wonder, you know, and especially, I feel so sorry for religious people. And, and people go, aren't you religious? No, I have a relationship with God. Amen? Amen. It's, it's the religious people, you're, you have to work so hard because you don't know if God likes you yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't know if you're even going to be saved. You're working at it. Maybe you've done enough and maybe God's happy. Thank God for the cross. Yeah. Thank God for the cross where Jesus comes and go, man, you tired, you're worn out, come to me. You'll find rest for your souls. You know, the weary, the downtrodden, the Lord. This is the God's confidence. God doesn't want us working to the core where we're, you know, overworking and just overfatigued and not respecting his priorities. I've shared this before, but I worked at a multi-billion dollar company, ran a huge department in research and development, so we developed games. Trust me, we had deadlines, they have to have get this game into Costco. You know, you have to get this, and it's got to be there on January 1st or whatever the dates were. And you always got 22 to 50 projects going on at once. And you're responsible for that development. And marketing people are on you, sales people are on you. And I just made the decision. I felt like the Lord said, are you going to trust me with this? And I said, okay. And I made an appointment with my staff. And I said, I will meet you in the parking lot at five o'clock. Can I tell you in the software industry, stopping at five o'clock is unheard of. Nobody stops at five. They work till 10. And then they call and go, I'm still late. I'm not coming home. Sorry, babe. And they do that and you add to it and you add to it and you add to it. And I told my staff, if you're not out there at five, you're fired. I was kidding. But you know what? You guys met Ned over here. He's now the head of voices at Disney and Warner Brothers, right? God blessed him. And he goes, he goes, I love that you did that. And he goes, because it rescued our family. And he goes, and it made me be more efficient with my time. And that's what it does. You find ways to get it done by five. Most sports teams... In, and specifically the NFL, score more points in the last two minutes than any other time in the game. Do you know that? Because they have a deadline, right? And when you have that deadline, you want to get it done. There's rest, self-provision, and delegation. You don't have to do every single thing. Some things you can pass it on. Some of you moms, you get the older kid to do it, right? And then you teach the older kid how to get the next kid to do it. Amen? And then you realize you should be the Kligman family. <laughs> right? And you keep, you know, pretty soon there's a bunch of them all working. You go, what's going on? One person's lazy, they all get on them. 
right? I don't know who it's this week, but we'll find out later and put it on the website. And your priorities, what's more important? That's, I think I just mentioned it. And the last one there, I, I didn't mention lack of sleep, but you start to lose sleep because you don't know how to settle yourself down. And so, and I've struggled with this too, where you're just thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking, or you're anxious, you're anxious, and then you can't sleep, and then you lose provision. Or maybe it's a health reason, or maybe it's a nutritious reason, nutrition reason. You're, you're drinking too much coffee too late or whatever. God wants us to be people who can rest. The last one there was Sabbath. Sabbath is so important. Resting. God worked six days, but then he rested. And God didn't need the rest like that. He's, we're made in his image. He gave it to us as a provision for ourselves and to model how he thinks. Within time, we need to rest. All right, let's, let's go. I want to look at Psalm 69, and then I'm going to give you, offer you three solutions on how to overcome fatigue. And, and I tell you, there's, there's one scripture. My last point is really my main point that I'm going to go up to. It comes from a, a, a Hebrew word called halap. And it, it, I promise you it will change your life if you, if you pay attention. Fatigue, why I'm worn out. Now watch David cry out. This is the king, major responsibilities. He's gone through betrayal. We've all probably experienced betrayal in certain ways. He was getting gossiped about. You know, he had Saul after him. Then he had Absalom after him. And one after the other, he was betrayed. But he always had a loyal group kind of with him. And the the thing about King David is he always turned to the Lord. Him and God was, was a tight relationship. He always turned to him. And he is at a place of desperation. And here you see it, and I'm going to relate it to our lives here, but he's saying here about being worn out. He's saying, save me, O God. Save me. And he's basically given this picture, the waters have come up to my neck. You know, there's one thing where you're walking in life, you can even run, Jody mentioned soaring, but then there's a time when the waters just get up and you're going, man, I can't breathe. I can't move. If I run, it's like slow motion. And it's like all the way on top of you. Your busy schedule all of a sudden hits you. And it's like it's too late. You already made the commitment. Now you've got 17 meetings going on. You know? Or you, know, you let the lawn go. Or you let something go. Or your car's messy. And now you get it caught up. And pretty soon it's 10 things. It's 20 things. And fatigue has got you. And it's up to your neck. Again, say with me. Say no. I can't do it. And just add this. Have a good time. Have a good time, okay? You can't do everything. Eric, we need you at that pastor's meeting. It's super important. No, I can't do it, but thank you for asking. That was very thoughtful. But we need you to do the prayer at the prayer breakfast. You're going to have 50 people there on the stage. One of them can pray. I'm positive. But we need you to pray. Why? I don't know. Okay, good. No. And it's hard to say, no, I won't pray. It just looks unspiritual, doesn't it? We need you to volunteer for this thing. It's going to help hoping homeless people. If you don't show up, they'll all die. Can you do it? No. So you're killing them all. Yes. Listen, you've got to get over your self-importance. Amen? God wants to raise up 
leaders, pastors, directors, visionaries, strategists, all kinds of entrepreneurial things. You go to a company, they show you an org chart, you figure out where you sit on that org chart. In life, in reality, God makes you in his image, deposits his very spirit in you, and then animates himself and says, I made something different here. Do you notice it? How many say amen? amen? It's something different, and it's you too. And you have to learn to navigate the path God's given you so you don't wear yourself out meeting just other people's expectations. This is so important. Even with your kids, sometimes you have to tell you, can we go to the park? No. Now, don't make it a habit. Everything's no. But just say, no. But yes, let me show you what else you can do. We can do this. And we can do that. No, you can't touch that. But you can touch this. And you can touch this and this and this. And you learn to navigate those, moms, so you don't get overwhelmed by fatigue. And sometimes you just need to communicate it too. Like here he is crying out to God. But you know King David's life, he had some really close confidants, Jonathan and others, that he could share things with. And it's important that you have that too. Friends that you can trust, not gossips. Because they'll take what you say and they'll run with that. And it starts to work through the whole church. Then you finally find it on Facebook or you get some email from somebody and they go, what? What was that? And it's not rooted in anything. Gossip's never beneficial, is it? Verse 2, look at He says, I sink in the miry depths. It's like a muddy thing where there's no footing. There's no foothold. There's no place. There's no place. It's like... I know how to trust God. I've done it before. I did it last season, but I don't know how to do it in this season. You know, I always know how to trust, but God brought me to a different thing. The waters are up here. I'm trying to get my footing, but I can't because I want some traction to move forward. I'm worn out. I'm about to scream. And now the season comes up. And you think, God, how are you going to work in this? But God has a way of knowing you and knowing how to deliver you. He's faithful to you. Don't be surprised when various trials come upon you because God's going to develop character, perseverance, maturity so that it doesn't miss anything. It doesn't lack anything. There's nothing. You're not shallow in anything. This is a good thing. Verse, if verse 2 continues, it says, I have come into the deep waters, the floods, they engulf me. He's going to talk about this more in verse 15. But, but he knows he got in over his head. The water's right up to his neck. But he goes, anything that I do, a little bit to the right, a little to the left, because I can't get my footing, any direction seems bad. I'm about to fall in the pit. I'm about to go down. And that's how fatigue hits us. If I don't get this, our company's gone. If I don't get this, our rent won't come through. You know, there's so many things we can worry about. And and the thing is, is that God is in charge. You just don't think he is. Because usually our low self-value says, God doesn't care about me, doesn't he? Or he's punishing me. Can I tell you where the punishment of God has already gone? It's gone over there. It's on the cross. He suffered. And people will say, you know, we're supposed to enter into his suffering. You're not supposed to invent your own suffering. (laughs) The suffering of Christ produced The payment which became the resurrection power of God raising dead men to life. That is what the suffering embodies. When we enter into his suffering, it's victory. Amen. 
There is rejoicing. Rejoice. I say it again. Rejoice. There is power there. Verse 3 says, and look at him. He's wearing out. And this is how we feel many times. He says, I'm worn out calling for help. And it's kind of like you try this. You, you kind of get a subtle hint. You know, I think I'm kind of struggling a little bit. Or you tell your boss, eh, it's been kind of a tough week. Rather than telling your boss, hey, I need to talk to you. I am burnt out. You're my boss. I need you to help me so that I find success. And if you don't have the boss that can invest in you that way, maybe it's time to get a different job. And if you're not the kind of boss that your employees can come to you when they're tired and you can give them some time off or work some out, maybe you shouldn't be the boss. Okay? Just think about it. But my throat is parched. It's the my voice is tired. No one's listening to me. It's hard to reach. It seems like nobody cares, but I tell you, somebody cares. God's put someone around you. And maybe you've cried out before. I know even men sometimes, you get put in a culture where you got to always have everything together. And so you see Jesus weeping and you go, oh, that's kind of weak. You see a guy like Kevin Durant, you know, it's like, you can't say anything, but he cried for 22 minutes. But you can't say anything because he's the MVP of the NBA. A man's man's sport. Sweat and tears, boom, bam, bam. It's just like a soldier coming back from, you know, Afghanistan, and he starts to go, and he goes, man, it was hot over there. You don't go, well, what a wimp, it was hot. Yeah, as he was risking his life out there for your sake. You know, yeah, but it was really hard. I was trying to merge onto I-15, and it took me like two and a half minutes. Oh, gosh, you're like in a trial. I need to pray for you. I'm going to fast for your merging. <laughs> That's not in my notes. But <laughs> listen, listen how David continues. He goes, my eyes fail looking for my God. And that's how it feels. You, 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 you've seen God work, but you maybe haven't seen him work in this. And I, I see many moms, you know, as they're trying to navigate their parenting, and how to maybe manage things in the family. Or maybe they're a single mom working or you know, married and working. You know, you're trying to navigate things and you're going, man, this is how it is. It's just hard. Everything's hard all the time. And I tell you that God has an easier way for you. How many say amen? amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe God, God's got solutions? I do believe he has. Watch how 15 kind of summarizes it. This is at the fatigue. I call it the point of no return. This is David's kind of like, okay, God, I'm going to let it all hang out. This is how it is. Do not let these floodwaters engulf me. Lord, my head's above the water. It's up to my neck. At any time, I could start swallowing water and gargling, you know, and then I'm going to be stuck and I've got no traction. And he says, and don't let the depths small me up. I don't want to go under the water and get caught in the current of fatigue for the next 20 years. And all of a sudden, what's your life like? I was tired all the time. And then later you see your kids, I'm tired all the time. And then their kids, I'm tired all the time. Maybe it's time to break the pattern. Amen? And he says, or the pit close its mouth over me. It's kind of like it's going to get wrapped up. Fatigue at the point. Now, let's take a look at God. I want to look at one scripture at 1 Corinthians, and then I want to get to the solution right here. 2 Corinthians 1.10. I, I want you to say this with me. Say, he has. he has. 
Now that's in past tense. He has already. It's like it's already happened. He has delivered us. Do you agree with that? Okay. And Paul's talking in the context of no matter what circumstance I've been in, whether good or whether we're preaching the gospel or whether we're trying to stay in a city or meet with new people and riches. He says, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril. And can everyone say, he will. He will. He will deliver us. On him, we've set our hope. And this is key. Because when I get to this third point that I was talking about, this is key. God is saying, you have to set your hope on me. That's the key. You have to set your hope on me. And you'll see how important this is. We, on him, we have set our hope that, can you say, he will continue. He will continue to deliver us. Listen, he has. He will. He will continue to. He will continue to deliver us. Now, you may not know that word, but that word there, deliver, is the word salvation. He's been saving us. He is saving us. He'll continue to save us. I don't know how clear God's got to be. I got the past taken care of. I got the present taken care of. By the way, I got the future taken care of. Any questions? I got you. And I love this, Paul, when he cries out in 1 Corinthians, a very common scripture, but I thought it was appropriate and I didn't want to skip it. He said to me, he's talking about God talking to him because he goes, I went through a hard trial. I felt like I was stuck in it and I I wished I was already out of it, basically. And he's saying, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect. Think about it, God saying, you're weak, my power is is made perfect in your weakness. And you don't think of weakness just like, okay, I'm going to be like a loser like this the rest of my life because, hey, how you doing? God's power is perfect in me, man. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about as you subdue your own thriving, your own striving, you will find a power in God that is greater. Paul's life in Christ was a million times more incredible than it would have been without. And so is with you. God prepared you for things too. And you may think that you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. His grace has been sufficient for you. Let him bring you out of it. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Kevin Durant's message. I was weak, but Cephalosha, one of his players, you started encouraging me. Hey, Carson, you were there with me. You know, Russell, every time I I try to get forward, you had my back. And he goes, no one believed in me. He goes, He's talking to this other player. He goes, you put in my locker, KD, Kevin Durant, MVP. And he goes, and I wasn't playing well at all. And he goes, but that stuck with me. A weakness. I'll boast about it. Why? Because I gladly boast about my weakness. So opposite of the world. The world, you got to go, hey, man, I've got this going on. I've got that going on. That's what's in us. And he says, why? So that Christ's power may rest in me. That's why for Christ's sake. I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then what? One more time. I am strong. strong. When I'm weak, I'm strong. Let's get to it. And I'm going to have Jody come up here and share after I finish these three. Number one, accept Christ's partnership. I know this is a very staple scripture. And you've heard it. I Please hear it fresh for yourself this season and this context. Christ is a partner. The picture is of the yoke. Imagine carrying this big yoke 
with a big kind of a plow behind you and you're plowing the fields, you're loosening the ground. And so you're carrying it this way and you're trying to provide for your family and you're trying to get work done and you're trying to find your calling and your career and all things you're doing and you're going, man, it is hard. And Christ is saying, listen, I know all you who are like this, you're weary, you're burdened. I'm going to give you rest. This isn't him going, I hope I can find rest for you. I hope we can work it out. I'm going to give you rest, says Christ. And he says, take my yoke. In other words, you see him. It's almost as if there's an exchange there. Let me take this new yoke, but instead of one that's only carrying for one, and you feel like you've got to carry it because you've got a horse that's kind of, or oxen next to you that's not carrying its load, life, I'm going to get under there. And he gets on there. And it's not like Christ is so strong. He goes, watch me carry this thing. He's saying, no, I want you to learn from me. Watch how I do it. Trusting the work of the Father. Trusting the plan of salvation. Trusting that he's going to continue to deliver. Watch. Take the yoke upon you. My yoke. Now I'll be in there too carrying it. And he says, and I want you to learn from me. Why? Because I'm so strong and amazing. Because I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. Get in here. Get in this yoke. Walk this out. My yoke is easy. Can you say it with me? Easy. Easy. Do you really believe that? I don't think most people do. I think I had, this is probably the heart, this is probably one of the biggest deliverances in my own heart that God did is that it's easy. Because everyone around you wants it to be hard. Amen? Amen. It's got to be hard. You got to just and you got to just do this. And I'm telling you, God's a hard worker. You ought to be. A... Can everyone say easy? easy? Say it like this. Go easy. Just say humble. Rest. Learn. These are cool words, aren't they? These are anti-fatigue. That's how you overcome fatigue. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. Accept Christ's partnership. Who wants to partner with Christ? Do you want to? Come on, raise your hand if you really... If you don't, just leave your hand going. Say, I don't want to partner with Christ. Just say it. Just say, I don't want to partner. But if you want to, just say, I want to partner with Christ. It's, it's really important. You think that I just want to manipulate you or try to get you to feedback. You need to practice talking to God. And agreeing with his scripture verbally and from the heart. One more time, just raise your hand and say, I want to partner with Christ. This is important. Number two, I accept Christ's energy. And listen to his response here he gives to Isaiah with the same burden. He's going to give a whole prophecy about this. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. He doesn't poop out. He doesn't have to run wind sprints and suicides to try to get in better shape. He doesn't have to go to the gym and grunt and groan. He is the everlasting, almighty, breathing, living God. Amen? Amen. His understanding, no one can fathom. Well, I figured God out. No, you didn't. You didn't figure nothing out. No, I have the God mind. I've connected to it. No, you haven't. You can't even balance your own checkbook for crying out loud. (laughs) He gives strength to the weary. He gives strength. Are you weary? 
Receive the strength. We're getting to point number three. It's the, the, really the crux of the message here. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. When I am weak, I am strong. There is a dependency here. Accept Christ's energy, his power. That word energima is the Greek root word there. His power, his giftings, his charis, his, his giftings. All right. Number three, here we get it. Can everyone say the word halop? It's a Hebrew word. It's, it's a great word. It's that word renew right there. Okay? It literally can mean, it, the literal translation for it is to change or exchange. The context in the Hebrew reference is related to the marketplace. Clothing. Exchanging like, you bring me your clothing and then I'll give you this clothing. Let's exchange the clothes. God is saying, I want you to take your weakness, which is what your strength is. Give me that weak strength of yours, and I'll give you mine. But this is the exchange. It says, it says but those who, can everyone say hope? Those who hope in the Lord, they will renew or exchange their strength with God. And what happens? How many want to exchange your strength with God right now? Can I tell you what it looks like? How many want to know what it looks like? Listen, instead of straining, instead of getting airline tickets so you get up in the air and getting freaking flyer miles, you can soar in the power of God. They will soar on wings like eagles. You won't, you won't believe it. And I've had people come and go, oh, well, how, can you, how do you live like that? God does things in your life that you cannot believe. Amen. You will soar on wings like eagles. You're going to soar. You're going to be above the mediocrity. God raises you up above that where you can look and you can fly like an eagle. When an eagle's up there, he doesn't worry about the lion. He doesn't worry about those things. He's not worried about the traffic. He can soar down at a pinpoint any place in life and find success. There is a running. They will run. You're not going to get stuck in the mud where you don't know where your balance is because you've exchanged it for God. You're working in his power, not your own, and you're not going to get tired because you're going to follow his principles. I, I say the same thing with finances. I have probably had probably maybe seven or eight people you know, that have talked to me over the last three, four months and said, I finally trusted God with my finances. And, and you know, and it's like you've not only convinced them that it's not about you, that you need the money at the church or some stupid thing like that. It's kind of, it's like they finally have trusted God with their finances. And I just think to myself, praise God, because it's not about the money. It's about the heart. Your heart is trusting what God is doing. That's what's happening. Just like when you trust God with your time and you trust God with your thinking. It's like they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, babe. Come on up here. And they will walk and not be faint. This is the promise of those who know the Lord. Do I hear amen? amen. You know, uh, how many want to soar? Listen, how many want to run without getting tired? Come on. How many want to walk and not get faint? You can walk with stature and with wisdom like Jesus. My wife, which is always the better half of me, where is she? <laughs> is going to close with us and share a little bit of her story and close. You know, last week I shared about how the Lord had set me free from anxiety. 
And uh, I know another thing, I'm not going to get up here every week and share about what God set me free from, but this is one really profound thing that had happened to me. Um, You know, hopelessness really drains our energy. You know that? And, you know, we have an enemy of our souls, right? I mean, we can deny that there is an enemy, but you can see his, the evidence that he exists. And one day I was out, I like to go on walks and just kind of pray, spend time with the Lord. I think it's because I'm a little bit ADD and I can kind of focus that way. And I was just out walking and all of a sudden I got this thought, you are the worst mother ever. I was like, yeah, I am. And it just drained all of my energy. It just exhausted me, and I just felt so hopeless. But thankfully, God has given us the Bible, and we can bank on it. And just as a little aside, you know, if you are a parent and you're trying to to be a godly parent and you're trying to raise godly children, you can't do it unless you do it according to what the Bible says. That one was for free. But (laughs) at the point where I was so drained and so hopeless and just feeling so terrible about myself, you know, I had just a flood of all these things, all these regrets and all of these things, and, and it was like, all of a sudden, I remembered the scripture in Ephesians 6 that says that we should put up the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming arrows of doubt of the enemy. And I mean, I know that there are other implications theologically to that, but at that moment, that was what I needed because that was the thing that helped me to say, no, this is a lie. This is a lie from the enemy. And, and I'm I'm talking to mothers specifically because I know that we are really prone to guilt. But I'm also talking to everybody just saying that if there is ever a thought that comes into your mind, and it will probably come in your own voice, sounds a lot like you, or it sounds like your mom, or it sounds like your dad, but the the evil one will use those lies to try to redefine who you are. But if there's anything that comes into your mind that is contrary to what God's word says about you, recognize it as a lie. And like the Bible says, take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ and believe him instead, instead of those lies. And at the moment where I remembered that verse and I realized that I was being lied to in the spirit realm as I was walking, it was like suddenly, it was like my strength was renewed. Like all of a sudden, yeah, I've remembered that I have one who's already fought for me. He's already, the battle is the Lord's, right? Amen. So I just want to just say again, you know, the enemy will try any little subtle thing and he knows our weaknesses. He doesn't know everything. He's not omniscient like God, but he knows enough about us and enough about human nature to know exactly which lie will work. Just don't be unwise to his schemes.